Hello listeners, I am your host Andrew Schreier. In this episode of Talking Addiction and Recovery, we are going to discuss kindness. The act of being kind is expressed quite often. In my office at work, I have a sign that says, Think deeply, speak gently, love much, laugh a lot, work hard, give freely, and be kind. At the end of my work email, I have a quote that says, Work hard, stay humble, and be kind. On my bulletin board, I have a little reminder sheet that helps people before you speak to think. And what it stands for is, it it spells out think and says which stands for is it true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind. So from those things in my office alone, I'll say it straight up that I'm I'm a big fan of kindness. And we talk about a lot when it comes to how we treat one another. And even though this is a not just a substance use issue or a mental health issue. This is something about kindness that's used towards treating everyone. But I'm going to talk about how it's used when it comes to recovery from addiction and where I've seen it and the work I've done, the people I've worked with, and how that can be used not just for recovery from addiction, but just how people treat one another going forward. And kindness is that word that just gets kind of thrown out, like, we'll just be kind And it's more to just saying it, but there's actually a practice to it. So where does it really fall in the big picture of recovery? And very often people with substance use disorders are treated as though they are horrible people, low moral standing. And it's really important as a professional counselor when I work with people with addiction that I treat them with kindness. As I'm working with family members, loved ones, other professionals, organizations, and community members, it's important to show kindness to them. As I've worked in with different people and populations with group homes, halfway houses, residential treatment settings, there's always discussions going on about kindness to one another. As I work with people who live together, they do treatment together, they've shared bedrooms together, they've shared meals together, and conflicts issues arise and all of a sudden let's let's talk about what it means to be kind towards one another talking with clients you know and patients about experiences and situations they have in their life and people that they're involved with or around or interactions and it's important to work with them on how kindness works with those social interactions so you know sometimes that could be someone in their personal life like a family member friend it could be at a meeting that they go to and there's someone at a meeting who they might have issues with or a new relationship that they're getting into or even with a stranger how is it that we are treating one another and kindness is always that's kind of reiterated or discussed as far as well what do we do you know be kind show kindness so numerous times throughout a person's treatment and working towards recovery from addiction, you find moments where kindness is needed. And kindness gets promoted quickly when it seems as if tensions are getting high. And then you'll hear or read things like, just be kind, or why can't we just be kind to one another? Unfortunately, just saying be kind is not enough for it to have its intended impact. Kindness needs to be in the form of action. And we need to acknowledge that being kind is not always an easy thing to do. So let's talk about when being kind is a challenge. And I remember 
a lesson a former clinical supervisor supervisor of mine would share with a group of residents in treatment from time to time. And whenever some of the residents would be getting into like disputes with one another or like the vibe or the chemistry of the group of residents seemed off or there was some tension or issues or problems, all of a sudden my clinical supervisor would ask if it was okay that she come down to address the group. And at first I didn't know what she was doing, but as she's done this a few times, I began to anticipate, you know, what she was going to say and what was going to happen. But she would come down and ask everyone, like, how you're doing? You know, is there anything that anyone wanted to share or discuss concerns regarding in the house? And this was a chance for people to talk about, like, hey, what's going on with us inside treatment here? What's going on with us as a group, as we're doing treatment, as we're living together, you know, sharing rooms together, bathrooms, eating with one another? What's going on? How are we doing? working and living and doing treatment together. So she would ask, you know, does anybody want to say anything? And eventually she would get to a point where she would stop and just get everyone to think. And and this is what she would say is, I want you to think about the person whom you admire the most in this room right now among your peers. Who is the person you like the most? Who is the person you look up to? Who is the person you believe and trust entirely? And who is the person you say, I want what this person has? She would then go on to say, now I want you to think about the person whom you are most cautious about in this room among your peers. Who is the person you dislike the most? Who is the person you look down on? Who is the person you don't believe or mistrust entirely? Who is the person you say, I want nothing to do with them? And she would let that sink in for a moment, kind of pause, and she would conclude it with the big kicker here by saying, by the end of your time here in treatment, These are the two people whom you will learn the most about yourself from. And that would kind of be a little, I don't know if it'd be a gut punch or people would kind of realize that how I treat someone is more of a reflection of me as opposed to that individual. And that lesson is important in several ways because it highlights how we sometimes gravitate towards people we admire and how at times we stay away from those we are cautious about. And what are those reasons? Why is that? What does that say about me? Not so much about a reflection on that person, but more importantly, what does that mean as far as understanding my own self? This lesson also shows how easy it is for individuals in a treatment program to treat the person with kindness towards whom they admire as opposed to how difficult it is to treat the person with kindness whom they are cautious about. Not as easy, right? I'm sure we can all relate to those examples in our lives when it comes to school, work, friends, and even family where we have people we are drawn towards, and it's much easier to show kindness towards them as opposed to someone who we may be weary of, and it's more difficult to treat them with kindness. But it's not to say that that's that's wrong of you or how could you you're a bad person for that it's just acknowledging that being kind isn't always just an easy thing to do and because of that emphasizing that just being kind is not always going to be the accurate thing to do by just well just be that way just say that it's difficult to make take more effort more conscious effort more action more awareness to be kind in certain situations. Social media can kind of show where 
you can notice that it's very easy to say things or jump to defend something or to go against something without and then all of a sudden you'll see some post or some message about we'll just be kind but that shows how quick it is to impulsively or without even thinking to jump at something to make a conclusion to um, attack somebody and then all of a sudden we see that message of be kind and when you say that what is being done to actually show kindness what's being done to act on kindness so you know imagine trying to be kind to someone whom you dislike a person who just made a mistake a person whom hurt you or a person you disagree with I've always been under the belief it's easier to do something when you want to do it, but the real challenge is doing it when you don't want to. What I mean by that is a good example is that I use for addiction recovery is like going to a support meeting. When a client or patient wants to go to a meeting and has that desire and motivation, I believe they're going to go and they often do. I don't worry about that at all. If someone says to me, hey, I'm going to go to a meeting. I got plans to go this afternoon. I have a, I highly anticipate they will go and they won't have any problems going. If they want to go, they go. The real challenge is going when they don't want to, when they are tired or tempted to go do something else or rather just sit at home or they don't think they're going to get much out of it anymore. Those are times when going to a meeting is most challenging. Not when you want to, but when you sometimes don't want to. And I believe kindness works in a very similar way. When we want to be kind to someone, it is easier for us to respond and treat someone that way. When it is someone that we care about or have a good relationship with, being kind isn't as difficult. For some people, seeing a stranger who might be in a difficult situation or dealing with something, it's not hard to show them kindness or to be kind to someone that they don't even know but there are times where depending on the person the situation what's going on what's happening how we perceive as being treated or what occurred being kind is very difficult to do you might not want to be kind and just because you struggle to want to be kind to a specific person like i said doesn't make you a bad person it's understandable In the examples above, you know, someone whom you dislike made a mistake, hurt you, or even strongly disagree with you, it's a little bit more challenging to say, well, just be kind. Therefore, kindness requires application and effort. And I learned more about the practice of kindness as I was working with a mindfulness-based realized prevention curriculum. It introduced the concept of loving kindness, and I'm going to share with you the script that is in there. But before I do, I want to share a client story that highlights a lot of what I'm trying to emphasize here. I had a client who was young. I think he was 19-ish. He was definitely in his teens. um, So he was there 18 or 19. And he was sent to treatment under what I would say considerable circumstances. Normally, this would not happen. But he got into legal trouble. Uh, He came home and witnessed his sister's boyfriend abusing her hitting her physically and a fight ensued and as the the boyfriend drove off my client ended up grabbing a gun and fired three shots into the trunk thankfully no one was hurt but 
he was arrested, my client, and at the time he was also using drugs. So he was given a chance to come to treatment as opposed to further incarceration. So once again, very considerable circumstances and even found out that the gun wasn't his. It was the the boyfriends who during the fight it fell out and then he ran and that's when my client grabbed it. So he easily could have done, you know, worse damage. He could have killed this guy and you know, he was given the chance to come to treatment, which I'm I'm thankful that he did because of the end result of this story. But so he came to treatment and he shared this with the story in the group plenty of times. Like everyone knew about this. This wasn't a big secret. He talked about it, shared it. And for a while, we focused on a lot of issues like boundaries and beliefs and looking at how all these factors played a role in that decision. And because of that, like he continued to believe that what he did was okay. And he had, you know, his definition of boundaries and his core beliefs, you know, it surrounded about protecting family. If you hurt my family, I can hurt you. And there was nothing wrong and seeing it that way, even if he was, you know, even if he was arrested and incarcerated for it, he still looked at the situation as if he wasn't wrong. And we started getting to some movement on understanding like how those play a role in his decisions. And he was recognizing that, right, me having this boundary and me having this belief when this thing happens, this is why I acted this way and reacted and everything that ensued after but it wasn't addressing you know it wasn't really changing yet you know what he could have done different or how do I move forward from this so like I said this was talked about for a lot in his treatment it was used in a lot of examples so after a while we get to a point where this concept of loving kindness comes into play So right now I'm going to read you the same script just like I did to the group that day. So the group members come around, have them, you know, sit down, get comfortable position, close their eyes. And this is what I say. First, bring your attention to yourself. Silently repeat the following words with the intention of loving kindness being sent to yourself. May I be safe. May I be healthy. May I be happy. May I live with ease. Next, bring your attention to someone you deeply love. Silently repeat the following words with the intention of loving kindness being sent to the person you love. May they be safe. May they be healthy. May they be happy. May they live with ease. Next, bring your attention to someone to whom you feel neutral. You neither particularly like or dislike this person. Silently repeat the following words with the intention of loving kindness being sent to this neutral person. May they be safe. May they be healthy. May they be happy. May they live with ease. Next, bring your attention to someone with whom you have a lot of conflict or to someone who you do not like. Silently repeat the following words with the intention of loving kindness being sent to the difficult person. May they be safe. May they be healthy. May they be happy. May they live with ease. Finally, 
Bring your attention to all the living beings in this world, to every plant, animal, human, and all other living beings in this world. May the world be safe. May the world be healthy. May the world be happy. May the world live with ease. So take a breath, inhale, exhale. You know, notice your reactions to this meditation. Try not to judge or change anything you are noticing, but just simply notice your thoughts and emotions as they are. Notice any reactions that you may have had to this meditation in general or to various people to whom you may have directed your meditation. This is the practice of mindfulness, and this is the practice of being kind. So going back to the story of the client, so after we did this meditation in the group, I noticed he was getting you know really teary-eyed. And I asked him if he was okay, and he shook his head, and I could tell that he said he was. I asked if he wanted to share anything with the group, if, if he was comfortable doing it. So he collects himself, and we're sitting there, and he proceeds to tell us that during the exercise, when he focused on the person he likes, he was in love, he was wishing kindness to his grandmother. And that wasn't a big surprise to us. He he talked about her a lot. She was a parental figure throughout his whole life. He would mention her plenty of times. You know, grandma was, you know, one of those people who he loved the most. So that didn't catch anybody off guard. But he proceeded to tell us that during the exercise, when he focused on the person he dislikes, he was wishing kindness to his girlfriend's boyfriend the very same guy he fired the gunshots towards. Everyone, including myself, were just in shock. Like we, no one anticipated this 19-year-old with everything that he shared about this, with everything that we were exploring with like boundaries, beliefs, and everything that he talked about where he was with the whole thing. No one anticipated that he was going to pick this person this meditation and asking him what that was like for him you know he said how hard it was and that's the part where he said was the teary eye and the hurt part because of how much he had to put that effort into that you know and he was explaining how he tried to wish the same you know amount of safety healthy happiness and being at ease as he did his grandmother so being able to look at that example is what i was sharing before is that when he did it with his grandmother that's not that hard for him to do he does that probably all the time it's probably very few times where he doesn't do that but he it doesn't take a lot of effort for him to show that to his grandmother that's where he wants to be kind then you look at this example of where this is someone who he he's probably one of the furthest people he wanted to be kind towards. You know, how do I be kind towards someone who did that to my sister or to someone who hurt me like that, hurt her like that? So this was a really big challenge. And that's where, you know, did he want to be kind? You know, probably not. He was probably still struggling with that. But there was some recognition in him that he needed kindness for this individual you know maybe that was for him maybe it was for the individual himself but it was harder to do and that's why it took more to do it 
And even in this example of sitting there, imagining this person and wishing them these things, that took more effort and action. And you could tell by the response that he showed. You know, he recognized that it wasn't just going to go away entirely. And, you know, there's probably going to be times in the future where some thoughts and feelings were going to kick up. And, you know, he might still have resentments and anger. But in that moment, you know, he was able to wish that person love and kindness. And for the rest of the treatment, that was like his coping skill for if things came up about this individual this is what you do. You say this exact thing. I gave him a copy of the script. And th- that was his plan was when I started to feel resentment, anger, or having trouble with this, I need to go to that. I need to actually say this and wish this to that person. So we ask, how important is kindness? How powerful can it be? What impact can it have? I call resentments recovery killers not just recovery killers, but relationship killers. The moment we feel hurt, angry, upset, frustrated, annoyed, or irritated towards someone, it's like a little seed of resentment falls into the ground. For many occasions, we can simply pick those up before anything happens, before they grow into anything bigger than just a seed. By not doing anything these resentments grow. And for some situations and people, we don't do that right away. We don't pick up that seed of resentment. Then all of a sudden our thoughts, feelings, and experiences become the water that helps them grow. A seed becomes a plant. Then a tree. And before we even realize it, there is an enormous forest rooted in resentment. Kindness is the gardening tool we need to uproot those resentment seeds. The client's story shows how hard it can be. And that's why this episode is about emphasizing that saying it is not good enough sometimes. There needs to be steps towards taking action of being kind And the exercise I walked you through, the meditation in this was just one way of starting that practice of kindness. You could do that in the morning. You could do that at night. Anytime you start to feel that someone, you know, did something and you start to feel that anger or resentment or judgment is a perfect time to actually sit take a few moments and go through that meditation. And you can find those, you know, on YouTube to listen to, other scripted ones, but there's there's a lot of them out there. But whenever you notice that, the conflict of attention that you have with someone or a group of people, when you say to yourself, "Oh, he makes me so or she is always or those people," and that's followed by feelings of hurt, anger, frustration, even irritation, Notice that seed of resentment dropping. Use kindness to remove that seed of resentment before it grows into a forest of unforgiveness. Recovery will depend on it. Your close relationships with the people you love and care about will depend on it. 
your connection to this world will need it. Doing so when you want to is going to be easy. The real challenge comes when you don't want to. But when you don't want to do it, that is the time when you need to do it more than anything. There's a lot of ways that you could get into acts of kindness. And I don't need to get into a whole episode of what those all could be. But there's a ton of ways of small acts of kindness, you know, looking them up. It's pretty easy to do, but the important part of this wasn't to say, to, to give all these different acts of kindness, but to show that it is not always as easy as just saying, well, be kind. Being, showing kindness and having kindness is a practice. There is like a skill to it. I know I always leave with some tips, but I'm, I'm going to really just provide one. Saying be kind is nice, but practicing kindness is true love for one another. And to close this out, I want to wish all my listeners, may all of you be safe. May all of you be healthy. May all of you be happy. May all of you live with ease. Thank you for listening.